And hello, movie lovers. So tonight I actually have Rossi McCree with me, actress Rossi McCree, that is. And we're going to be doing our, another one of our movie lover spotlights of Sydney Poitnay. This is actually going to be wrapping up our spotlight of Sydney Poitnay with our Buck in the Preacher review. And also, too, guys, go on ahead and do me this one big favor. Rank us over at Good Pods. Rank us over at Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well to allow other people to know where they can find us at. Because there's other people that hasn't even discovered us yet. So go on ahead. Help us out over there. Show us a little bit of an ounce of class and do that for us. And so with any further ado, let's go on ahead get on with the show. And hello, movie lovers. Like I said, I have Rossi McCree with me. And, you know, it's a pleasure to actually have you back again. I mean, it's been a while. It's been a little bit. But I'm glad to actually have you back again. And, you know, I'm glad that we ended up doing these Sydney Poitnay uh, filmographies and stuff like that. I'm sure there's going to be more to come. But tonight, we're actually going to do Buck and the Preacher. And this is actually Sydney Poitnay's dictatorial debut of directing his first film and this movie also came out on april 28 1972 and also too this is not uh, to be honest with you i actually read up on it this even though it was a not well received from critics or anything like that it still has a huge message for us as fans and everything too of sending point a but right. just to give a little bit of synopsis of what it's about it's actually set in the 1860s in the Kansas Territory shortly after the American Civil War. Buck and the Preacher follows a farmer soldier named Buck as he leads wagon trains of African Americans from Louisiana west to unsettled territories of Kansas. In order to ensure safe passage and food for the company, Buck negotiates with the Native Americans in the area. But before we get to that, we actually get to see them, uh, see the timeline that he actually sets out for us in the uh, pretty much like a, what's the word I'm thinking of, like a preface or right. a prologue before right. the film actually begins. And then after that, it gives you the whole entire deal where Sidney Poney is also traveling with these people and trying to give them safe passage. And they're also been traveling for year, for months and everything else on end, just try to get a little bit of freedom and find a place to live and a safe haven to live. And I really have to say, I enjoyed watching this film. It's a country western film, in case anybody didn't know. And, yeah. you know, this movie's entertaining. It has some funny moments, but also has some action in, it, action in this movie and also some drama. So that's also another plus for me. But I'm going to let you go on ahead and talk about this, too. Okay. So as John mentioned, the prefix um, to the film before it gets started, um, the film is dedicated to um, to slaves free slaves, blacks that um, wagon masters as Sidney Poitier plays in this film um, that are free people and they're heading out West. They're leaving the South because they're now free and they're heading out West. And so wagon masters who Sidney Poitier played, they, as John said, they provide safe passage for these now free slaves and their families. And it took months to get them to where they were going. Um, it is a funny movie. It is a Western. 
It also was starring um, Ruby D and uh, Harry Belafonte, who plays the preacher. Ruby D plays Buck's um, wife, and um, is it's a really good movie. It's an uh, all black um, western. Um, it starts off with uh, Sidney Poitier, the wagon master, um, has a group of people from Louisiana, a parish out in Louisiana, and they pay him to get them to safe passage so that they can start their new lives in the West. And um, we get to see in the beginning uh, some of the, we'll call them slave catchers for, would you, wouldn't you call them slave catchers? Yeah, so these cat. were, yeah, these were, uh, yes, of the Confederacy. So these are men that would go and chase down free slaves and want to bring them back because they just not okay with them being free. They want things to remain the way that it always has been, which means free labor from black people. And um, so they're not happy with it. And Sidney Poitier plays uh, his, he, he, he as a wagon master is the best. And so they're after him, they want him. And um, you see in the beginning um, what these slave masters would do when they find the people that uh, were led to safe passage, they destroy their camps, they um, destroy, they shoot their ox, their food, kill a few of them to send a message to go back to Louisiana. You do not want to be here. You do not want to do this. And that's how it starts off. And, you know, I like how he meets up with uh, the preacher and everything, too, yes. because the preacher's right. over there. He just got done uh, killing a rabbit. He, and of course, you know, he's also bathing in this creek. And all of a sudden you see Buck show up out of nowhere. And Buck right. winds up taking the gun and pointing it at him, wanting him to put uh, pull his drawers back on and everything. And the preacher winds up telling him, hey, it, it, uh, give me one second. I'll let you talk. Look. So basically, um, Sidney Poitier, who is the wagon master, his name is Buck. And so Buck ends up um, escaping because the, the slave, you know, catchers um, end up kind of catch, catching up with him. And so he gets away. And as he get, gets away, he um, comes across this creek and he sees this guy bathing in the creek. But he has a horse there. And Sidney Poitier is not there to hurt the guy. He just wants a fresh new horse so that he can get away, get further away from the slave masters because they're they're tracking him. And so he's, you know, in the midst of stealing um, the preacher who's played by Harry Belafonte, stealing his horse. And as he's getting ready to take the horse, Harry Belafonte comes out and is like, what's up, you know? What are you doing with my horse? So, you know, Buck holds a gun to him, letting him know, I'm going to take your horse. And um, that's that. So Sidney Poitier, Buck, ends up taking the preacher's horse and gets away. Well, a little bit later on in the story, um, Buck ends up, or I'm sorry, the preacher ends up finding his way to town. He's looking for Buck now because he stole from him. So as he finds his way into town, he um, comes across this little boy. And uh, it's a pretty small little uh, western town. He sees a little boy who's uh, working for uh, a guy in a bar and um, he's asking him questions. Have you seen this uh, this guy? He stole my horse. And as he ends up finding, um, thinking he's catching up with uh, Buck, 
the wagon or the slave catchers ends up coming into town. So you see the preacher, you know, prepping a new horse, actually the horse that Buck left him, prepping the horse and sees them coming into town, knows they're not good, knows who they are. So he's kind of trying to hide from them. And the slave masters end up um, stopping the preacher and asking him, do you know of a wagon master? Um, do you know who he is? And basically threatening him, but letting them know, we're going to let you go, but we'll pay you $500 if you lead us to this wagon master. They want Buck really bad because he is the best. So at that point, the preacher's kind of actually pissed off with Buck. So he agrees to the men. Yeah, if I see him, I'll definitely let you know. And there we are, John. All right. So <laughs> basically to, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to leave you like that. Um, <laughs> and some stuff I actually had to take care of real quick. But anyways, back to back to what we were talking about before. Uh, but with with this whole entire thing with the Confederacy and stuff like that, with them looking for Buck, it right. makes a whole entire misconception of why they're looking for him because they wind up telling the preacher a whole different story and everything. Right. And and so the preacher's also looking at the fact that, hey, I can get money. I can get $500 for bringing this guy in, whether dead or alive. Heck yeah, right. I'll take the deal. You know? And so, you know... He decides, okay, I'll go ahead and do this. This is going to be okay. I'll go ahead, try and scout him out, see if I can find him and everything. And right. thank you, C-Bar. I do appreciate you uh, for saying that. Hey, y'all, love your show. Your reviews are great. Thank you so much for that. I do thank appreciate you. that. And thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that you like my shirt. I do appreciate that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, this just goes to show you the misconception that they were trying to do to the preacher. And it also just goes to show you that also too how how this Confederacy was actually trying to miss pretty much just try to use him for their own personal gain, whether uh, they wanted uh, all they cared about was having Buck and using somebody. That's all they cared right. about. Right. And of course, you know, like I said, the preacher was like, "Okay, dead or alive, you're telling me five hundred dollars." So that tells right. me that you want this guy desperately. So therefore, I'm going right. to do it because I'm in desperate need of money to right. do what you need. And this to do. guy stole from me. Like I'm not, I'm not happy with Buck right now. I don't know him. He just, you know, ripped my horse off. Granted, he left me his old horse, but still, he stole my good horse and left me. You know, so he's not happy. So when he gets, you know, this deal um, gets proposed to him. Yeah, it's $500 plus this guy, you know, and I, I think at the time, doesn't uh, the preacher pretty much knows who they're looking for because he ran into Buck. Right, because another thing, too, is like, of course, it's like a very awkward situation, too, of how they ran into each other, too, because don't right. forget, Buck is over there uh, traveling through because of the fact he's trying to escape from the Confederacy as well. And right. so, therefore, whenever he winds up discovering the preacher, like I mentioned before, he's all holding a gun to the preacher because right. he can't trust him or anything right. like that. And so, you know, the preacher's over there bathing. He's minding his own business. And here comes uh, Buck out of nowhere, just goes on ahead, <laughs> points a gun at him. Right. And, 
he's like just pointing it at him, and then he goes, "I'm gonna eat your rabbit." He reads, he winds up eating the preacher's rabbit. He winds up stealing right. his horse. So there's a lot of vendetta against him already. Right. Right. Too. So that's also another thing that amplified it even more. To be honest right. with you. Right. And you have Buck who's upset because remember in the beginning of the film, they show the Confederacy, the, the Confederates, they show them going into where where Buck had led these people, finding them, destroying, you know, everything that they had, killing a few of them. So, you know, Buck knows he has some problems on his way. And and these guys are not going to give up. They want him because of what he does. He's helping slaves get to the promised land, for lack of a better words. That's what he's helping them do. So there comes a moment in a film where Buck and the preacher end up meeting up, you know, again. But this time, Buck is uh, meeting up with some other folks that he is trying to get to a different place. Um, and he had, there's many people that came from Louisiana, many different groups that he's trying to help this group get here and this group. So he goes and meets up with, with his main group, I would say, and other men that work with him. And Preacher just happens to be there because remember, he met this little boy that's working for a, a, a man at the liquor store or the bar. So he follows the little boy back to their village and he sees Buck. And when he sees Buck, you know, he um, ends up not hitting him, punching him in the face. Buck falls down. And from that point on, they're kind of together, you know, not wanting to be together, but they end up being together. The preacher needs him. He needs a preacher. But you don't know if the preacher is good or bad because he is offered $500 and he doesn't let Buck know, hey, the Confederate's looking for you. So you're trying to figure it out as the film goes on. Right, because at that time, you also are like Buck. You have your defenses up because of him. Right. You're like, should we trust him or should we not trust him? And then we right. also see the interaction of, hey, look, he actually helped somebody within Buck's camp, the little boy. Right. Very true. And so, therefore, we're like, okay, maybe he isn't as bad as he may make him out yeah. to be or whatever. And so right. our guard is down a little bit, but at the same time, he's also still being sneaky because of the fact he's still spying right. on him for the Confederacy and leading the Confederacy over to them. That's right. another thing. So it's like, okay, so is he good? Is he bad? Is this play? To be honest with you, it kind of reminds me of Johnny Depp from Once Upon a Time in Mexico, where he's doing all, okay. moving all these puzzle pieces, uh, moving okay. different characters around to where it benefits him, but not only benefits him, but benefits the other characters too. So okay. with this character, he's definitely moving the puzzle pieces around a little bit to where, okay, if I go down this road, get the $500, right. I can go on and make my way back over to Chicago. I can do whatever I want right. to do. Right. And forget about Buck because he's not even my problem. I don't even know the guy. He right. only stole my horse. He stole everything that I had. Then there's the other side. Okay, this guy, why is the Confederacy chasing after this guy? Right. He has a camp. He has these followers that are following him to go to another state for a better life. Right. And everything and sacrificing everything on the line, his life, his livelihood, everything for the sake of these people. So it's like, right. So is these guys as crooked as they think, as I think they are, or is it Buck that's actually crooked? So right. he's playing, I bet he's actually playing along though with himself though, too, to have that tug of war feeling in the middle of, should I trust him or should I not trust him? Right. 
And I want to mention and go back, you know, um, when Buck is before he, you know, meets meets the preacher, he was um the 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 people's camp it got destroyed by the Confederate. So he leaves and he's going to go meet his wife. Okay. So as he's going to meet his wife, this is when you when Ruby D, who plays Buck's wife, uh, enters the picture. So they're all surrounded. They know that who his wife is. They know where he's going to come. So Buck doesn't know, but they're all surrounded. They got the wife. They're in the house. So they got the wife. So they send the wife outside. Buck approaches and he's kind of looking at her and she's just standing there, just kind of waving. He doesn't know anything's wrong, but he's smart enough to know, okay, this is weird. She didn't call out. She just kind of waves. So she's standing there kind of stiff and he approaches, he looks around, gets off his horse and he's kind of peeping the situation out. And as he's coming closer, she looks at him and she has this look of like scared to death on her face. And he ends up, you know, realizing that, okay, this is a trap. I'm getting set up and they have a shootout. She's okay. And that's when he's, that's what he's escaping from when he runs into the preacher. So I wanted to mention that. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad that you gave that context instead of all of a sudden that he just shows up because yeah. there's a lot more of stuff that actually winds up happening right. within the right. film. So thank you for right. clearing that con that context up and everything too. No uh, but yeah, then of course, you know, like I said before, he's even wondering about his own life. Buck is also wondering about his own life too, because even his wife is saying, Hey, look, we're doing all this stuff here. Right. Uh, when is it going to be enough to where we're going to have our own lives too? Because we have to have our life of our own and you're and putting your life in danger. Yeah, yeah. She wants she to get wants married, to to, have kids. Right. She wants to go to Canada. He, they, they had spoke their, their deal was you help these people. Once you help them think about us, I want a family. I'm, I'm, I'm getting older, but I'm young enough to have your kids. And we, you promised me you would take me to Canada that we would leave here and Buck is such a stand-up man. He just, he can't leave these people out there because the winter's coming. They could starve if he let them, you know, even go back to Louisiana on their own. They will starve. There's not enough food. He has to finish up his mission. And so it kind of puts his relationship on ice a little bit because she's kind of, she's, she's tired of it. It's like, you've done enough, you know, you're, and, and even, even Buck, you know, like you said, there's a point where he's getting tired. They're catching up to, they're just, they're catching up to him. Every step he makes, they're like right behind right him. There. And he's just not sure of himself if, if he's even good at this anymore, you know? So it's a lot. It's a lot As to a take wagon in. Right. Yeah. Right. And and, you know, he's trying to give, give them the best safety that he could possibly give them. And then even the right. stuff with the Indians, too. Right. And I love the conversation between him and the Native Americans, like, towards the end yeah. of, well, the Natives, not Native Americans, because at that time. But I liked yeah. him between him and the Native uh, Natives because of the conversation they had. But we'll get into that a little later. Right. But, you know, I like how he's trying to actually... Talk to them, and of course, this is also too when the preachers try and run for them, because at that point in time, Buck and him kind of get into a tussle and have a disagreement, right. 
And so next thing you know, it Buck is also gives it has like a little bit of a head start. Then next thing you know, the preacher winds up coming up behind him and starts right. panicking and goes, Indians, Indians are coming. That's right, is, that's right. And get this, Buck is just smooth and everything. Yeah, He's like, he just slow. He doesn't rush. He doesn't do anything. He just stops right. what he's doing. He gets off the horse and just stays yeah. there. And the guy, the preacher, is just looking at him like, "Is he crazy? Has he lost his mind?" Right. And so, next thing you know, it he's negotiating with the natives, with the Indians. Right. And right. you know, then you also have the translator there, and also to the back and forth between the chief. And he goes, "Okay, how about three buffaloes?" That will keep me and uh, keep us good for the uh, for the winter. Safe passage through the mountains, and that will give me safe passage. Right. And so then the the Indian winds up telling the chief winds up telling the translator, "No, one buffalo." The next thing you know, it he's like the the native winds up translating back over to him. And he goes oh, after he they see the money. They're like, "Okay, two buffalo, no right. uh, no weapons, nothing like that." Right. No, and safe passage. So that's what they wind up doing. And at this point, remember, when they get off the horse, you know, um, Buck is telling the preacher, listen, you need to do everything that I'm doing right now. Get off your horse. Get on your knees. This is how these people operate. The preacher's looking at Buck like, what the hell? Are you what, what's your deal? <laughs> After this deal is done that John's talking about, the preacher looks at Buck and is like, he's. He's amazed because he realizes then, okay, this isn't just your typical wagon master. Like this guy is, is somebody like, you know? And so I feel like their relationship at that point got a little bit better, or maybe a little trust from the the preacher because he's trying to figure out. And respect. He got uh, preacher also respect. There you go. Yes. Uh, From Buck, but also too. Uh, here's the thing. Back whenever I was in history class, right? Because I'm a huge history nerd. But you know, the, in the back of my mind, I'm like, what would it be like if African Americans or someone of, of color winded up meeting the uh, natives? You know what I mean? Right, I was like, right. would they would they treat them differently than the white people, or would they accept right. them in? So with right. this, this actually plays around with that, and yep. that's something I appreciated was the fact that it gave us. Uh, some national nationality around it and everything too about to my imagination and right. everything too because the Indians also don't trust black people either they believe in no. sticking strictly to their own people and that's their own blood and that's it because there's no we fought out. against them with the with the the whites right. or the Yankees or the Confederate we fought against them you know so right. they're kind of like and they mentioned that you know right. you people did this to us you know you knew you knew it was being done to you but you did this to us. You helped white man basically kill us, you know? So they, 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 I like that they touched on that as well, because I've yeah. always wondered that, you know, too, like how was their relationship, you know? But um, yeah, we, we, we did that. And also too, I just want to point this out. I know that we just recently got a Western film with uh, people of color as well. Uh, just recently. And, you know, I'm I'm glad that maybe they saw this. Maybe whoever directed it saw this film and be like, you know what? I want to make my own version of a Western film with the all black cast and some white right. people too to go with it and right. do kind of the same thing that Sidney Pony did. So I wouldn't right. doubt that they actually try to do that route with this. But 
you know, on the note that we were talking about, mm-hmm. it's kind of like you're guilty by association because of the fact that you there helped you yeah. this confederacy. Right. And therefore, right. because you're guilty by association, that puts you at a tougher predicament now. Yeah. It's like, well, right. damn, I was just trying to do what I thought was right, right. for myself because it was supposed to be the Civil War. It's supposed right. to be freedom for myself. Right. But they didn't. And also, too, it reminds me of this, though, this quote that was from The Walking Dead back when I used to watch it. And it's between Carol and Daryl, where okay. Daryl looks at uh, Carol and then Carol tells Daryl, she goes, are we the heroes or are we the villains in somebody else's story? Right. True. And so, True. so according to people of color, that's they're the heroes. They're the villains. Right. And it's right. according how you actually look at it. The Indians are also thinking that they're also uh, they're the heroes in their story, right? Right. Yeah. And stuff like that too. Right. Yep. But I like Very how true. it also. I also like this though, Rossi, where he shows respect to the chief. Buck does, and they and Absolutely. and and it just shows you how many times he was actually a uh, how he want, keeps on doing this as a wagon master. Yeah. And right. knows the because ins and he- outs. Exactly. He he's met with them before. You know, he knows uh, respect is huge with them. He knows. And so I like the fact that the 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 chief's wife was the one that did the translating for her husband. And um, yeah, it, it the way that the film was made, first of all, everything's on location. Nothing's done in a studio, which is absolutely awesome that they they made it on on location. It you feel like it's so real, like it's really happening and like you went back in time. That's how much of a good job that Sidney Poitier did with this film. It may not have got a lot of accolades, but still, it's a really good film. I enjoyed it. Um, I do want to mention that after the meeting that they have with the um, the natives, um, the preacher and Buck go back to another settlement that they had to, to get the people and check up on them. And the little boy that we were talking about, remember, the Confederates came and shot up a lot of people in this new camp, even killing the little boy. At and this point, go ahead. Yeah, because also too, that night, I remember when the preacher was actually having a little bit of a lump interest towards one of the, towards one of those, the campers too. Right. The settlers. Um, yes. And, you know, trying to wake her up and flirt right. with her, right. her with the stick. Right. And the mom knows what's up. The mom's like, right. tugs at the woman's, the girl's dress. It's like, nah, you're not going over there. Right. But then the next day, life has been mm. taken away. Yeah. And now that what he thought was love for him was taken away. Then right. the connection that he had with the little boy that he carried on that horse and killing right. innocence. And then preacher realizes, wait, I'm on the wrong side here. Exactly. Yes. And that's when, you know, from that point on, the preacher is like, he, he's hurt. Like he, he's seen what they did. The Confederates did who offered him money from that point on it's done. He wants them now. He wants to go after them and he knows exactly where they are. They're in a, some town called spring something. and he lets Buck know at that point, listen, this is a deal. These men, Confederates, met up with me. They offered me $500 for your head. I'm just letting you know I'm not going to do it, but I know where they're, where they're at. We can go in and get them, and then you can take it from there, John. Right. And basically, if you think about it, though, the $500 that they were offering the preacher was blood money 
Absolutely. That they probably killed from somebody else, and now they're right. using that blood money to get what they want and what they can gain. But I like how Buck just quickly looks at him and goes, wait, you're on my side now? He goes, right. did you not see what I just did for you? Did you not right. see? <laughs> he goes, I'm in. And now it turns into a revenge plot for Preacher yes. now. And also right. turns into a revenge plot for Sidney Poney's character, Buck, too. So now they have that in common right. to where now it's like the Lone Ranger with Tonto and everything. They right. go on ahead. Right. They go up to this, uh, the place where they're at, knock on the door, yeah. answer, bam. Sidney Poney oh just God. goes on ahead and blasts him. It blasts was the bad. people playing poker. Then they go up to the mm -hmm. upstairs area, blast them. I'm like, right. oh, my God, this is in the 70s? And I'm right. like, right. And I'm just eating this up. Because of yep. the fact you have layers to the character, you have characterization of characters that you care about, and you're wondering right. what the outcome is for those two characters, because it could actually go the other way where the Confederacy wins because there's more people than they are. They're weak right. because their wagons are broken down. They're burnt down. Right. They have nothing to live on off of or anything like that. Yeah, they have safe patches for the natives, but still, right. even that, the natives are not even act is not even giving them protection either when we find out later right. on. Yeah, because we find out after he goes and, and basically is looking for these guys, you know, that killed his people and, he, and who keeps tracking him. We find out later on that with the natives, they don't mind helping, but they will not fight for them. That's why, like they told him, I can't give you guns because we have to take care of ourselves. You know, we have to make sure that we're protected. You know, I'll give you your buffalo. I'll give you this. But. Another thing is we will not fight for you. That's not it. We'll, we'll, we'll send some scouts with you, but they are not there to help fight for you. You, this, you have to do on your own. So that was their and that's relationship. Of course when they get, right. And that also gives them the speech of, you know, because of the fact that you're guilty by association, we're not going to help you either. Right. And, right. Exactly. You know, and he's like, look, we need weapons for our own selves. We have our own war. But right. also, too, Buck's looking at him like, wait, if you don't do anything about this now, yes, it's just about us. Right. But sooner or later, they're going to come after you. And then you don't, you also have, yeah, you have a large group, but you're talking about the Confederacy here. They're going to come right. back with their own men Absolutely. and everything over vengeance and everything, too. So right. I think that's where it boiled down to, like, towards the end. It's like, if we don't help them, and you can even see that on the chief's face whenever they're going up through the mountains with Buck and also to preachers going up through the mountains and the Confederacy is actually following them. Yes. And you can see it yeah. in the the eyes of the native of, that almost sounds like a song, but you can actually see it in the eyes of, of <laughs> the chief. Almost did like a Walker, Texas Ranger type of yeah. feel to the theme <laughs> song. But, you know, but in the eyes of the native, of the chief, you can see yeah. it on his face. If we don't stand up our ground now, that could be us getting up, the, right. getting run out of here through the mountains. They already took our land from us. Right. We, we can't even put our backs to the mountains. Right. So this is and it. See, this is our reservation right here. And another thing is too, you know, when when they when Sydney and or Buck and and uh, the preacher end up going into town to go find the those guys that killed, you know, the the settlers. Um, you know, they kill them all. There's just one guy left who's with the sheriff at another saloon. So now it's a problem because 
the sheriff wasn't really a bad guy. He really wanted and felt like these people are free. They're welcome in my town. I don't want you guys, you know, coming in here and messing with them. Leave them alone. But when Buck and, and the preacher went and killed all of them, except for one, it ends up being a problem because regardless, the sheriff doesn't want any of that in town. So now you have the lone guy that's left from the Confederate and the sheriff that are after Buck and the preacher now because of what they did. And, and the also townspeople. the townspeople. Yes. And also um, there was money that was missing because remember the girl early in the film that they wrapped because these mm -hmm. people, the settlers had money that they had saved up so that they can pay Buck to get them to and from. So the, there's a woman there that had money that they wrapped around her and that money ended up being gone. So I love the scene where they get done killing the people in this one town and they go and preachers like, I know we can get a lot of money. And Buck's like, where? And he's like, the bank. Let's go rob the bank. And Buck's now looking at the preacher like, are you, you kidding me? We're just going to walk in and, and, and rob the bank. And a preacher who is, you end up loving him. He's so funny and great. He's like, yeah. So that's when they get, you know, Ruby D, Buck's wife. And they, you know, she comes along to help out because she's pretty feisty herself. And they go and rob this bank. And they did it so smooth and clever. Rob the bank, very smooth, get out of town. And they have now the sheriff and that one lone Confederate person after them, where we get to where John was, where, you know, the, the natives end up, you know, kind of guiding them, you know, to a certain point. They weren't supposed to fight, but it happens. They end up helping out. Then after that winds up happening, that's pretty much where the movie wraps up at, though. Yeah. Because... Uh, because after that winds up happening, Buck and also uh, Preacher winds up going back over to the settlers and they start back their journey to Louisiana. Right. And if Rennie was watching this right now, she, her face would cringe because she's actually from there. And I'm, she doesn't oh, like oh, how wow. I say it. <laughs> so, but, <laughs> but, you know, um, but I thought this movie was really good. Yeah. And I don't know why it didn't get the love that it deserved her back right. then. And you gave us, he gave us characters that we cared about. He gave us characterization of characters. He gave us layers to a character. Because how many movies in the 1970s or 80s for that matter, even 90s for crying out loud, that gave us characterization of characters with layers to them instead of one dimensional characters that are just one and done? He gave us layers to Preacher that I never thought I would be possible of a total cheap change. Which is right. really what I loved about the writing with this film. Right. Yeah, um, I appreciated the fact that, like I said, I love that it was shot on location. I loved how detailed they were with um, the characters. When they're going scouting, there's a scene where it just stood out to me. Because he, he made sure that everything was so realistic. When they're on their horses and they're scouting at night, they have their torches. And you see a scene where... They take the torch and they hold it to the ground while they're on the horse to look for footprints, you know, or or horse prints and all that. That's not a big deal, but it's a big deal to me because I love that detail. I love that they made sure that. And also, guys, everyone rode horses. 
you see them on a horses. You see Ruby D on a horse. You don't see a horse, a, a double. You see them riding horses, which lets you know they did a lot of training uh, to make sure that everyone who was in this film knew how to ride horses to the point to where you're like, oh my gosh. At first I'm like, are they doubles? But then when you see them, no, they're actually riding these horses. Sydney did a really good job to um, have the audience be immersed in this in this world. Uh, you know, 18, 10 or whatever, you know, um, after the Civil War, um, what was going on with black people at that time, what we were trying to, where we were trying to go. Um, they end up getting there um, to the, the, the land that they wanted to get to. And remember, the grass was green, it was fertile, and he did it. They, they made it there. It was just a great film. Ruby D, a young Ruby D, a young Harry Belafonte, it was shocking to see them, and they're so young. It was just, I really enjoyed this film from beginning to the end. I really liked it. I thought he did a good job, and I am surprised that they did not win awards Me for too. this or, you know, acknowledged because it really is good, and you can watch it. Anybody can go and watch this film and enjoy it. Right. I rented it for $4 off of uh, YouTube, and believe right. it or not, $4 is not much. I mean, especially now if you look at the price of stuff. $4 right. is, is enough. You get it for 48 hours, watch the film, and let us know what you think, though, too. But I also right. want to go into a little bit of details that I discovered. And, of course, this also comes from Wikipedia. But right. according to Pottier, the film was not even a media success financially. The film had made on a budget of $2 million, And Pottier claimed that it broke even at the box office. In fact, the poor financial rep uh, reception resulted in Poitier losing a film deal with Columbia Pictures. Wow. Really? Uh, critics, yeah. And uh, I wish I knew what deal that would pertain. Yeah. But, right. uh, critics were somehow uh, somewhat split in their reviews. Gordon Gow, a critic uh, for films and filming, said the movie was breezy stuff and highly entertaining. He went on to say that Belafonte's performance was humorous, even though it was somewhat over the top for overall historical realism for the film but for uh, a realism that the film is going for other other reviews were not so positive writers motion picture guide focused more on a negative stereotypes presented in the film stereotypes around in this foolish uh witless western a production misusing the fine black talent in cast i disagree i, I absolutely disagree i i like the representation i like the fact right. that it showed a black wagon master that I never even heard of wagon masters. I never heard of that. Um, I didn't think that they did a poor job on the characters. I mean, these were free people that were just trying to go. It, it wasn't, I, I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel embarrassed by it. I didn't feel like, oh gosh, not, you know, it was really good. Every single character. And I don't feel that the preacher's role was overly, you know, that it was over the top. I felt that he was funny. Um, he played the part that was, um, nothing about his part was over the top, basically. I thought it was funny. Um, uh, of course, Sidney Poitier, you know, he always has this certain sophistication about him. And you even see it in this film where he plays a cowboy. You know, Ruby D, D did a great job and, and the other cast, they just, I enjoyed it. 
I did too. I don't get the hate that it got, to be honest with yeah. you, Rossi. I just don't get it. I, I I don't see it, didn't see it at all. Um, yeah, I thought he did a good job. Oh yeah. And also too, I the only correct that I actually agree with is the fact that, you know, I didn't really feel like that the app the preacher was like over the top or anything like that. I disagree with that, but the stylistic and everything else was fantastic. Right. Right. And I love that big black Bible that he carried around. And that's another thing about the preacher that really quick, you know, they told his story, you know, um, quickly told his story. He was um, the slave. Um, His mother was, uh, his father was sold or killed. So he was with his mother and the um, slave master ended up selling the mom. And so, and he was able to stay there with the slave master, but he had so much hate for him. And he was telling, you know, Buck that, you know, where he got the the Bible from was from the slave master that always carried around this Bible that he ended up killing him when he got older to get back at him for basically selling off his mother, who he said he would never do that to him. So that's just a little story about a little background about the preacher. Okay. I do appreciate the backstory, though, because there's a lot of stuff that I really didn't know. So to actually know that that took place, I do appreciate the little bit of insight that you found out about it, too, to be honest. And I do appreciate that from you. Um, So now I have a little bit of an announcement for everybody. Uh, Rossi is actually going to be joining our team at Movie Loves Unite. And I just want to say welcome to the team. Thank you so much. I'm really happy. Um, You know, you were the first person that interviewed me as an actress. And then you kind of took me under your wing and introduced me to podcasts. Never did a podcast before. John introduced me to the whole podcast lifestyle. And I enjoy it. I mean, remember when we started with just top tens? Yeah. Let's just start, start off with oops, start off with top tens and we'll just gradually go to and I love how you just kind of you know, gradually introduce me to, to where now, you know, I'm going to learn something new as being a producer. Right. And yes, she is going to be my producer for my, uh, for my trailer reactions. She's also going to be on here uh, on Thursdays with me more. I've been enjoying right. doing these on Thursdays with you. Of course, we're going to start our Sweet Tooth reviews again. Yes. Missed out on it. Go on in and jump on Sweet Tooth on Netflix. Watch episodes one through four and then catch right. up on on the review and everything for episode five. But, you know, I like how you put it though, where I'm, where you said, I'm just basically just guiding you slowly through the whole entire thing. Like we go from top tens. Right. And then we (laughs) gradually work our way towards uh, doing movie reviews, doing more collaborations and everything else. And of course I still remember the first time that I interviewed you and everything too. I just reached out to you on Instagram and you didn't know what to expect from me. You didn't know what to expect. I'm like, you know, I was like, well, that's kind of ballsy just to reach out to somebody that you don't know. I was like, well, you know, I have to take a shot. If you don't take a right. shot, a closed mouth doesn't get you anywhere. An open, an open mouth does. So right. what do I do? I reached out to Rossi and I'm like, so can I interview you? Yeah, you can. And at first she thought I was like one of those people that are very stuck up and like, you right. know, the motivation in a film. Right. It's just not the critique that it actually has and something bill and ted is the most awful movie <laughs> in the world no i am not like that 
<laughs> not at all. Not I had the best time. And remember, we did it on um we did it on the podcast. We didn't do YouTube. So you interviewed me on a podcast. And I remember being really excited but really nervous because that's what I was expecting, you know, and then right. John just kind of kind of, you know, getting to know his personality, it was like, oh, okay, this, this is pretty cool. I, I, I enjoyed this. And I was like, gosh, I hope he, you know, interviews me again, or, you know, does something else. And then he reaches back out. And it's like, hey, let's do a top 10. And I think we we're doing like a comedy top 10, or I think it was like Halloween. We did, we did you know? comedy movies okay. we did right. sleepy hollow we did a bunch right. of stuff oh that's right that's right and i remember i want to say this the first time that we did um the white boy rick review and the the, the director or the producer reached out to us via twitter and was like you know you guys did a good job and that was like oh my gosh he I couldn't believe like that happened. And that was the first time like that someone reached out, you know, that I was involved in to say, Hey, I watched your guys review. And I'm, I just thought that was the coolest. That was like, I mean, and I'm like, Oh, this, it felt surreal. Right. Because you don't right. know what to expect when you're doing something right. off of Twitter or whatever. Like, you know, right. okay, I'm going to put a hashtag on it. And then after <laughs> exactly, that, I'm right. tag white boy Rick as a documentary. And you know, I'm just doing it for advertising for some PR. Right. Next thing you know, it the producer or the director right. winds up reaching out to us. Hey, look, you guys did a great job on it. I'm like, what? Right. <laughs> we were like, I remember we reposted that, I retweeted that, and then we did, um, and that's another thing is you never know who's watching, you know, because we're not only on YouTube, you know, we're on, we have, you know, um, good pods where we have Movie Lovers Unite podcast, there's other po Apple podcasts. So right. we don't, I don't realize it when I'm on here doing this, I'm just on here having a good time, not, and when we're done, it's like that's we great. go on to the next. I'm not thinking, is this person listening or whatever, it's just, I'm enjoying it. And then when they happen to reach out, it's like, wow, just when we did uh, Distances, that film, you know, we reviewed that short film. Right. That was awesome. That, you know, the actor, the actor actually, out. right. That and was here's so the, cool. I have like six o'clock in the morning, 530 in the morning when I'm getting ready for work <laughs> and everything, the, the actor winds up reaching out to us, telling us how much he enjoyed that. And it just right. touches my heart on how much of an impact I'm making towards the entertainment industry, right. but not only the entertainment industry, but also to the people that push that subscribe button and also enjoys right. it. Like people like Seabar that tells me that they, they're enjoying our, the, my, our reviews and things like that. That part m makes me feel, you know what I mean? It just is heartwarming. And I have not lost, right. even though I have like 970 <laughs> subscribers now, right. I'm still, here's the thing. I'm still, Still the same person that I was, sweating my balls right. off in my car, doing audio-only <laughs> podcast and everything, and right. just having fun and doing what I love. And I, I just still find a way to be humble. And right. just for anybody that wants to be out there doing this, still be humble. Still be yourself. Don't change because of the fact that you have right. X amount of subscribers or X amount of views. Right. It does not make you any more important than somebody else's. As a matter of fact, right. if somebody you know is starting up a podcast channel or whatever, say, hey, look, dude, I understand the struggles because I was once there. Let me help you build. And that's what I'm doing with right. Abby and everything, too, right. with Motor City Nerds. That's what I'm doing with everybody else. We build together. We're not against each other. This is not a th – Right. What we're doing right here, it's not a race. It's a marathon. 
We're going right. to get there eventually. It's just right. a matter of timing. And when I first went on this, um, the YouTube, I remember we had 122 subscribers. That's what we had. And remember, we were happy that it was 122. And then it was 200. And we were just like, oh my gosh, 200. Like, that's awesome because it, this is a marathon. You just, you, you, you just have to do what you do, mm -hmm. you know, um, maybe look at the numbers every once in a while, but do what you do. And eventually it will get to where we're at right now. I mean, I saw what you posted on Facebook, our numbers on, um, Apple podcast. Was it like we're yeah. climbing? Yeah. I saw that. And it's just, it's amazing because and I remember it was just, right. and yeah, that's right. It was just, it was small. It was, we were just having fun. Right. And another thing too, I want to mention is this, you're, if you're going to do this, don't think that you're going to go in here and, Oh, I'm going to have a million fans right. and stuff like that. Right. And people are going to wind up loving it. No, you're not. Yeah. I'm just going to say that real <laughs> quick because I started off with a movie page, right? For Facebook. I have like 20 something thousand, uh, Facebook followers and fans on that page thinking that right. people would actually go ahead and have maybe half of that on my podcast and I would shoot up. No, right. I right. basically had to work from scratch and work my way up. Just like you do with everything else Absolutely. and nothing is Absolutely. given to you. Everything is earned. And right. you know, like you said before, Rossi was don't pay attention to the numbers. Yes. You right. can pay attention to them, but also to do your own thing and watch it grow. Yes. And like, for instance, with the Elvis reaction thing that I did, I did not expect it to climb that high. That trailer all, came out two know. weeks ago. Yeah. And you I don't... didn't know there was an Elvis movie until I saw your, the reaction. And I didn't even know that, but the fact that it, it hit that quickly, how many right. views now? Okay. So last night, about yesterday at 6am, I dropped the, the reaction motor city nerds. Abby herself didn't even know that there was even a, uh, Elvis trailer. I was the one who told her that. So this okay. trailer's been out for two weeks. Wow. So I'm like, okay, I'll drop it at 6 a.m. 6 a.m. comes and everything. I'm like, okay, 10 views. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> 9 o'clock a.m., 42 views. I'm like, what? That's how I knew it started picking up momentum. Right. And now it's at 870 review views now. Right. Craziness. And getting ready to cl climb that thousand marker, which is the first time in my trailer reactions that I ever gotten a thousand views off of. And I wow. and it's just amazing. I do appreciate all the love and support that my followers, my fans, and everything else and that push that subscribe button. It means so much to us as a team to know yes. what I'm doing is actually happening. Also, too, celebrate the small moments when you're doing this stuff. Yes. Because the small moments can equal the big moments as well. Right. And then there's going to be a time where you're going to be stagnant, where you feel like, why the yep. hell am I even doing this? Am I Been wasting there. my time? Am I wasting my energy on something that maybe nobody cares about? Right. And I went through that phase. And then I something small would happen, maybe a spike in something. Or right. uh, the Netflix publicist reached out to me last year during right. that time. And I'm eating right. my lunch. I'm like, okay, so I'm on the right <laughs> track here. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Right. So, I had those yeah. I think I quit acting like five or six times last year. I'm like, I was, I'm done. I'm just done because you do get to a point to where as an artist, you're like, you question, you know, am I, 
on the right path? Am I wasting my time? Am, you know what I mean? You go through that. And then once you get over it, you, you, you know, get back on a horse and it's like, okay, because something small will happen. That's maybe small to someone else, but big to me. And I'm like, okay, this is good. I am on the right track. So you do, you question yourself, you question what we're doing and something happens and you just have to keep chugging along. That's exactly. how it is. How it and, is. And Brandy, baby, I, I know how many times I, <laughs> I'm a man. Okay. I'm hard headed. I'm stubborn and everything. What too. did he say? She goes, how many times did I tell you never to give up? Oh my and, gosh, that's my husband. <laughs> and, you know, I do, I am resilient, but sometimes I'm like, you know, should I even bother this? Is, is right. this worth doing? And she pushes me to do this even more. Right. And right. I'm thankful for that. And even whenever I feel like sometimes I might be taking some time away from her, she goes, do what you have to do. Don't worry about it. I know you're going to come back to me afterwards. So it doesn't matter right. because you're in the next room, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it doesn't matter do what makes you happy. So I'm happy that I actually have the support in that. And that's, that's the best thing is to have support. You know, I'm very fortunate to have the support of my husband, you know, my kids, you know, it's, it's awesome for them to see me go from when I was on Instagram and didn't know what it was. So I just posted a slice of pizza that I had. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I have two likes. And then before I knew it, you know, you go from one to what, 5,000. And then, you know, where I'm at now, it's amazing because this was, this is years, like years of building something for yourself. And then meeting up with John and being introduced to podcasts, it's like, oh my gosh, he, like, I have another love and I, I love this and I want to help us grow here you know so and i love that the community that we have it's such an awesome community that we all want to help each other grow charlie you know all of everyone you've introduced me to all here to help each other grow and to do well exactly so thanks charlie, for alex you know having me a part of you yeah you're very welcome and you know uh just to let everybody know abby is also acting producer so she is doing some extra stuff behind the scenes and everything too. So uh, I'll probably make then that announcement soon, even though I kind of did, but I want to do it with her on the, <laughs> on the, on the podcast, but still, I don't know how to keep secrets. This is why you don't hire me, but, <laughs> Same here. but, Same but here. anyways, um, Rossi, it's always a pleasure to have you as anything. And welcome to the team. Seriously. Thank you. Um, thanks for having me. Love all you guys, Tamika, Charlie, Alex, all of you guys. Thank you. You're very welcome. And guys, go on ahead and follow me under Movie Lovers TV Lovers Night on Facebook, underneath the same brand name on Instagram and Pinterest as well. Like we mentioned before, rate us on Good Pods. Good Pods is basically social media for people that love listening to podcasts or if you're a podcaster yourself. Go on ahead. Great individual episodes. Tell us what you think. Also, too, you get, we can also reply back and forth to you. It's so much better than Apple Podcasts, in my opinion, because I actually have that community of talking back and forth to somebody, and that's what I love. That's one thing that I feel like that's missing with Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Yes, Apple Podcasts has been around for a while and was the first right. ones to do it, but they should have a lot, lot more interactions and everything since it's got started up, to be honest with you. But right. if you want to, go ahead and rate us over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. Then, of course, go on ahead follow me underneath Movie Lovers Unit on Twitter and then at TikTok Movie Lovers Unit Zero. 
Also, too, if you want to donate to the page, donate five to ten dollars to us. All you have to do is go go buy us a coffee dot com forward slash movie lovers, and that's how you can donate five to ten dollars over there. And that and guess what, guys? You don't even have to remember worry about remembering all that stuff. It's all in the descriptions below for you guys to actually do that. So you're welcome, free of charge. But <laughs> if you guys want to go on ahead and smash that subscribe button, smash that uh, bell in the bottom right hand corner, allow you guys to know when we have something new dropping. Matter of fact, Rossi is going to be, Rossi and I are going to be reacting to another trailer pretty soon, but I'm not going to tell you what trailer it is. But right. you guys are going to have to wait until tomorrow morning when I drop that thing at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. But <laughs> anyways, that's everywhere that you guys can go in here and reach me at. Thank you again, Rossi. I do appreciate it. You're of welcome. course, you can, uh, where can everybody follow you at? You can follow me on Instagram at McCree123Hotmail.com. That's M-C-C-R-E-E, Hotmail.com. Also, you can follow me on my soon-to-be-verified Facebook page in a few days here at uh, Rossi Lynn on Facebook and uh, Rossi Lynn Bark one at Twitter or on Twitter. All, Twitter. All right. And always until next time, guys, there's not going to be a show tomorrow. I'm just letting everybody know there's not going to be a show because I'm supposed to be on Ben Rayner's show doing like a Seinfeld episode with him. Oh, fun. So. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be a pre-taped. It's not going to be live or anything like that, but I'm going to be on Ben Rayner's uh, YouTube show, and I'll post links and all that stuff for people to enjoy later on. But anyways, guys, thanks again. Thank you, everybody, inside the live chat. I wouldn't have done this without you guys. Thank you, Rossi, for being Thank my you. producer and co-host. And always until next time, guys, it's been real. It's been fun. Stay safe out there. And hold on. <laughs> <laughs> thank you c-bar awesome show thank you so much thank you and <laughs> always until next time bye bye